Hey, howdy, hey, Northridge family. I hope today finds you well. And we're going to start today by praying. Now, of course, there is a lot for us to pray about this morning. Um, we can pray for our local, state, and, and national leaders. Pray for our church and our church family. Pray for the other churches in Guymon as we navigate the situation. Pray for Nancy Schmidt, the CEO of Texas County Memorial Hospital and the staff and the other health care workers. Pray for Daniel Stiles and the board and the residents and the staff of Dunaway Manor. Pray for, well, teachers and students and our local school boards as school may be out, but they've still got to make decisions about next year and what to do for summer school and things along those lines. Pray for those in our community who are classified as the most vulnerable. Pray for those in our community who are affected by the coronavirus. Pray for those who are anxious and fearful. And pray people would turn to Jesus in this time of uncertainty. I want to read one of our Psalms today, Psalm 107. <clears throat> I'll read part of it. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them from the lands from the east, and from the west, and from the north, and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in solitary way. They founded no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. And He led them forth in the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to children of men. For He satisfieth the longing soul, filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Such as sit in darkness and seeth the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the word of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore He brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. They cried unto the Lord in their trouble and He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, break their bands and sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near to the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saveth them out of all their distresses. He sent His word and He healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love You today. You are great and awesome and worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. We, we thank You, Lord, that You hear us when we cry out to You, that You deliver us. Lord, even when it's our fault, even when we have made the mistakes that have brought us into the place where we are, we are enslaved and we're in bondage, God, that you would deliver us in, in response to our cries and you would lift us up out of that place and you would set us upon a rock and you would put a new song in our mouth and God, that we would be delivered to live for you, to serve you and to know you in our lives. How wonderful and how gracious you are. Today, Father, we we have many needs and burdens to lift up to you, Father. We know and in what's going on in this world right now, many people are hurting, many people are afraid, many are sick and afflicted. And God, we cry out to you in our distress. We cry out to you and we ask that you, God, would do what only you could do. Father, we pray for those in our community that, that have this virus, that you would heal them. Lord, that they would not get 
I get overly sick. I don't know any other way to say it. Father, they'd not end up in the hospital. They'd not end up on a ventilator. But Lord, they would. Maybe they've already got it, so they would feel bad. But then they would get better. We pray that Lord, as the virus continues to spike, the cases continue to spike in Guyman, that you would cause that to stop, and that they would go on a decline, and that our community, Father, would be. Better That, Lord, there would be less cases as the week goes on and not just a continued growing more and more cases. Bless Dan Stiles and the board of the, of the, board of the, the manor. Give them wisdom so they could take care of the residents there. God, the staff, as they go in and out, that they would not get sick. Protect the residents. Keep them from getting the virus. God, Nancy Schmidt and the, the people at the hospital, Lord, give them wisdom. Help them to know what to do. And, oh, God, guide your churches and our community. Help us to be lights that shine brightly for Jesus. Fill us with your spirit. Use us for your glory. Let us minister to our neighbors. Let us minister to those around us. And let us offer out the hope, help, and healing that comes through Christ. Have your way in our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, years ago when I was in the army, I met an interesting fellow. He was a... A lab tech at the, the the hospital at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. He was about five foot eight. Uh, he had a, a skinny neck and kind of a a big. You'd almost call him like a bobblehead. He had a big head and a skinny neck and a little body. And and if he went put on every piece of issued army gear he had and was soaking wet, he might weigh a hundred and fifty pounds. He wore his standard issue army RPG glasses, he, and he worked overnights at the lab in the hospital. Well, I met him at a school called the Primary Leadership Development School. It's the, the very first leadership school that soldiers go to. And he and I were paired together as battle buddies throughout the, the, the course of this school. Now, as a high-speed, low-drag, overly hua infantry soldier, I, I wasn't really thrilled about having a lab tech as my battle buddy, but that's just the way it goes sometimes. So we went through the school, and part of the school was that we were to get dressed up in our dress uniforms and have an inspection, right? It was to make sure we knew how to polish our, our shoes and shine our brass, and we knew how to put our ribbons on in the right spots. And so he got dressed, and he came to see me, and I was supposed to check him, and he was going to check me. And when he showed up, he had... Something that surprised me. One of the ribbons he had was a, a bronze star with a V in the middle of it. Now, a bronze star is the fourth highest award the army gives. And the V signified that it was for valor. Now, at that point in time, I didn't even know many infantry soldiers that had bronze stars for valor, much less lab techs. So I asked him, I said, how on earth? Did a lab tech end up with a bronze star for valor? And he said, before I was a lab tech, I was a combat medic in a mechanized infantry unit. And during the first Gulf War, we were moving across the desert when the lead uh, Bradley mechanical mechanized vehicle suddenly erupted in flames and kind of exploded and started to smoke. They had driven into a minefield and the lead vehicle had driven over a minefield and now the people inside were injured. The vehicle was smoking and there was a little bit of flames and things like that going on with it. And so he and his buddy that were in his mechanized ambulance, they drove 
into the minefield. Now, they were, their commander told them to stop because they didn't know if it was an ambush. They didn't know where the other mines were. But he and his buddy drove into it anyway. They pulled up next to the damaged vehicle. They climbed out of theirs. They jumped across to the other vehicle. They climbed down inside the smoking mechanized vehicle. They bandaged up the wounds of the guys who were in there. They pulled them out on top of it and they called for a medevac helicopter. Now because it was a minefield and hadn't been cleared, the helicopter couldn't land. So it had to hover and then lower down a stretcher on a rope. And they loaded the guys up there as they were pulled up and taken away. And then they left the minefield. Uh, And I don't know what I was expecting, but I certainly can tell you that wasn't what I was expecting. And I asked him, I said, man, weren't you afraid of doing that? And he told me, he said, yeah, I was terrified. But if we hadn't went in, those guys would have died. And we just couldn't let that happen. And my battle buddy, that skinny kid, taught me two lessons. I hope I never forget. One is heroes don't always look heroic. Sometimes heroes do look like Captain America. But other times they look like gangly, skinny, 19-year-old kids who are willing to risk their lives to save others. Second, courage is doing what's right despite being afraid. Courage isn't the absence of fear. In fact, I I might go so far as to say without a bit of fear, there's no courage involved. It doesn't take courage to do something we're not afraid to do. But when you're terrified, when you are afraid, and yet it needs to be done and you do it despite being afraid, that is courage. Now, if we are going to move forward, with Jesus and our lives as individuals, if we're going to move forward as as families, if we're going to move forward as a church, it's going to take courage on our part because moving forward is always a little bit fearful. Moving forward is always a little bit uncertain. There's always a little bit of the unknown. And those things can cause fear. And the temptation will be to not move forward, to stay where we are, to try to go back. But what we have to do is to fight the fear, choose to be courageous, and do what God would have us to do, to follow Him forward. Now, for us, most likely our acts of courage are going to be slightly more mundane than driving into a minefield and bandaging up people that have been wounded. But that doesn't mean they're not acts of courage anyway. A part of God's call to us and a part of God's call for us to move forward is a call to courage. Let me show you this. Open your Bible to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua 1, we're going to look at verses 6 through 9. And here's what it says. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear to their fathers to give them. Only be thou very courageous, be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. 
This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Title of the message is the courage to move forward. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome and worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. And Father, we want to be courageous and we want to follow where you lead us. So today as we look at your word, let your Holy Spirit come and open this up to us. And help us to take it into our hearts and into our lives. And God, I know that fear is a very real hindrance. Fear is something that often holds us back. Your your word even says that the fear of man becomes a snare in our lives. Help us today to choose to be strong and courageous. To follow wherever you would lead and to do whatever you would have us to do. Help us, Father, to... To choose not to let fear hold us back. Make us to know that you have not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God, fill me today with your spirit and give me clarity of thought, clarity of speech. Help me to speak your word and your ways for your glory. We ask all these things in Christ's name for his sake. Amen. Now, as God continues to call Joshua... To prepare the people to go forward, to cross the Jordan, to go into the promised land. He calls on Joshua to be strong and courageous. And he tells him that multiple times throughout this section. Joshua, in order to lead the people across the promised land, or across the Jordan into the promised land, is going to have to be strong and courageous. The people, in order to follow Joshua to cross the Jordan, to go into the promised land, are going to have to be strong and courageous. right? And what was true for them, that moving forward required them to be strong and courageous, is true for us as well. We must be strong and courageous to move forward. And in this passage, it gives us three ways... We must be strong and courageous to move forward. Right? Three ways we must be strong and courageous to move forward. First, be strong and courageous to live in light of God's promises. Now, we saw last week in verses 3 through 5, God gave Joshua promises, good promises. Right? Verse 3, every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon uh, that have I given you. right? So they were going into a land that was already theirs. And everywhere they walked, that was land God had given them. It was already theirs. Verse 4, it gives the boundaries. You're going to conquer from here to there and from there to there. Then in verse 5, no man will ever be able to stand against you all the days of your life. You're going to be the greatest military commander the world has ever known. And then in verse 5, verse 6, be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou, or thou shalt divide the inheritance. So God is saying again, I have given you these promises, and I'm going to fulfill them. Right? I, I am going to do this through you, Joshua. You are going to be the one who will give the people the land. 
Now, God had promised this land to the people as far back as Abraham. And that had been like their hope all of these years. For hundreds of years, they had looked forward to the day God would lead them into the land. God would give them the land. And Joshua is now told, you're the guy. You're going to conquer it. You're going to divide it. It's happening in your lifetime. Great promises, beautiful promises, wonderful promises. But there is an implication or maybe a condition. And that is Joshua must move into the promised land. Right? I mean, the land was theirs to take, but first they have to move in and take it. God will give them victory, but first they must go to battle. God would ensure that none could stand against Joshua and the Israelites, but first Joshua and the Israelites must stand against these enemies. You see, God didn't give Joshua these promises to, to sort of lull him into a sense of complacency and inactivity. Instead, these promises were to stir Joshua's soul. And, and they were to convince him to move out and take the land God had promised to give him. And like Joshua... You and I, we have been given many great and precious promises by God. And these promises are not meant to lull us into a state of complacency and inactivity. Instead, they are to convince us to, to stir our soul till we move out in faith and we act on these promises. That faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Right, so the promises of God are meant to kind of strengthen and stir our faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the foundation of our hope. Right, now remember, hope is the well-grounded, well-founded assurance God will do what He has said He will do. So we believe, we have faith, God is who the Bible says He is. We have faith, God can do what the Bible says He can do. We have faith, God will do. What the Bible says he will do. And that faith undergirds our expectation. Our, our looking forward of God doing what he has said he would do. And our faith is the evidence of things not seen. Now the things not seen are the promises of God. And our faith gives evidence of the unseen promises of God through our faith Filled actions. Right? Faith not only affirms the promises of God are true, but faith also lives as though the promises of God are true. Now it's important we understand faith lives as though the promises are true, not merely says the promises are true. Right? Because when I live, as if the unseen promises of God are true. They will come to pass. I will live differently than I would otherwise. Now this takes strength and courage on our part. Because we haven't seen these promises come to pass yet. This takes strength and courage on our part. Because we haven't seen anything happen. And yet we're expected to act and expect that they will happen. Our faith-filled actions 
are the only real evidence to our belief in God. So let's let's take this idea back to Joshua. Imagine with me. God gives Joshua all of these promises. Arise and go over. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread land I've given you. You're going to conquer from here to there. No one will ever be able to stand against you. And Joshua said, Woohoo! This is awesome! God's promises are great. These are wonderful. I'm going to memorize them. I'm going to write them on three by five cards. I'm going to share them on social media. But then he never crossed the Jordan and never went into the promised land. Did Joshua actually have faith in that instance? Did Joshua actually believe what God said? And the answer is probably not. Faith in the promises of God is meant to stir us to live like these promises are true. And and it's good to be excited about the promises of God. We ought to be. It's good to share them with others and tell them what God has promised we ought to. But if I'm not acting on these promises, if I'm not living as though these things are true, I am giving no evidence to the unseen promises of God that they are real, they are right, and I believe them. Our faith in God, our faith in God's promises, our excitement about what God has promised to do in us, through us, and for us is not meant to just make us excited. It's not meant to just be encouraging. It's not meant to lull us into a time of inactivity where we just sort of, oh, that's so good. It's meant to move us forward. It's meant to cause us to step out in faith and trust God will do what He has said He will do. Now I want to give you a couple of examples. Passages, promises we're giving. And see if we're living in light of these promises. Right? Living as though they're true. Paul says in, in Romans 6 and 11, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now reckon... It means to count, to regard, or to consider. So as disciples of Jesus, we are to to consider ourselves to be dead to sin. Now, part of what it means to be dead to sin is we have no obligation to do what our sinful nature desires. Right? I'm I'm dead. I don't have to be a slave to that anymore. I'm dead to sin, and I'm alive in Christ. So what that means is I, I don't have to live according to my sinful nature And I can, absolutely can live for the glory of God. I can live unto Christ and be holy as He is holy. I can live for Him. I can do the things He would have me to do. Now, probably all of us would affirm that promise is a true thing. That is true. But the question, do we live as though it's true? I mean, do you, do I, do we reckon ourselves to be dead to sin? Right? Do we say, I have no obligation to do what my sinful nature desires because I am dead to sin. And I can, I can always live for Jesus. Do I say, 
Yes, I am tempted to sin, but I fight against it from a place of victory because I am alive in Christ and dead to sin. Or do we just live enslaved by our sinful nature? Do we just assume we're going to fail and give in to whatever temptations are most common in our lives? Do we just assume we can't live for Christ in the way the Word says, as opposed to live for Jesus in the way the Word says? See, at some point, if we're going to move forward, we have to take this at face value and And live as though it's true. And reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin and alive unto Jesus. But it takes strength and courage to do that. It takes strength because I have to fight against my sinful nature. It takes courage because I have to believe I can overcome. I can live free. And that's what it takes to move forward. To not be a slave to my sinful nature. To be strong and courageous to say, I am, not I could be, not I should be, I am dead to sin. And I am alive to Christ. Another tremendous promise from Scripture that's familiar, Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Now the promise here is familiar. We will receive power from the Holy Spirit to share the gospel, to be witnesses about Jesus. Everywhere we go, it's kind of the picture. That that power is available. Again, every disciple of Jesus is going to affirm that verse is true. And if we affirm it's true, then the question, the question is then why don't we share the gospel more? Right? I mean, statistics continually show that like 95% of professing believers will never once in their life lead another person to Jesus. Statistically, the vast majority of believers will never share the gospel with another human being outside of church. Why is that? Why don't we share the gospel When we're promised, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon us and enable us to be witnesses. We affirm it's true, but we live as though it's not. And when we do that, we're like Joshua on this side of the Jordan River going, we're going to conquer, we're going to do it, woo! But never going forward. At some point... We have to believe it enough to act upon it. We have to believe it enough to share the gospel with others. Trusting the Holy Spirit will come upon us. He will give us power. He will make it effective. And it takes strength and courage to do that. It takes strength and courage to be a faithful sharer of the gospel. And we are meant, that's a part of moving forward. Right? I mean, if I'm going to move forward in my life, then a part of what I have to do to move forward is to be more of what Jesus saved me to be. And part of what Jesus saved me to be was His witness. If we're going to move forward as a church, a part of what has to happen is all of us 
Not just me, not just the deacons, but all of us become more faithful at sharing the gospel. The only way to reach Guyman and Goodwill, Texoma and Hooker for Jesus is if every member is a minister. If every one of us takes that and says, I must share the gospel with others. And that takes strength and courage on our part to live as though this promise were true. To start sharing the gospel and then experiencing the power of God as He comes upon my life to strengthen me and enable me to share. We could go on and on all day on the promises. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because we know our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due time you shall reap if you don't give up. Do we believe those things? And if so, does our actions give evidence to these unseen promises? Moving forward in all of our lives requires us to live what we know. Requires us to walk by faith and not by sight. To live in light of God's promises. And this requires us to be strong and courageous. There is not one promise of God in the Bible that does us any lick of good if we refuse to act upon it. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And yet thousands of people will die and go to hell every day. Why? Because they never called upon the name of the Lord. Promises do us no good unless we act upon them. We must be strong and courageous to move forward. And we move forward living in light of the precious promises of God. Secondly, be strong and courageous to do God's word. Verse 7 says, Only thou be very, be strong, be thou strong and very courageous. That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. Now, I want to stop here because we're going to look at verse 7 and 8. But I think it's important and it's interesting. Be strong and courageous because you're going to give the land. But be strong and very courageous to observe to do all the law. Isn't it interesting that God calls on Joshua to be very courageous To obey the law. There seems to be a stronger exhortation to obey the word than there is to to trust God's promises or to lead military battles. Think about that. That, There's a, a very strong, be very courageous to observe the law. Now, notice he's to do all of it. To do according to all the law. Not to turn from the right or to the left. Right? So the the picture is that they are to, that Joshua is to himself and then lead the people to do every single thing God has set, has said to do. Not to deviate in any way, not to at any point come upon a place and say, okay, here's what God said, but here's what makes sense to me. Right? Not to come upon and say, well now here's what the word says, but the culture here is different than it was when God gave us that, so maybe we should do this instead. And if you're familiar with the history of the nation of Israel up to this point, you know it supports the idea it takes great courage 
for Joshua to stand and to lead and to obey the law fully. Up to this point, rebellion against God's word and the Israelites go together like an RC Cola and a moon pie. Not only have they rebelled themselves, they have not been supportive of those who said, let's just obey God. Let's just do what God has said. Right? It will take strength and courage for Joshua to be fully obedient to God's law. Even in the face of the people's rebellion, he will have to be strong and courageous. Now, God goes on and tells him in verse 8, spoke of the law. Shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So he's to meditate on it day and night. Now, obviously I don't think this means Joshua is supposed to not do anything but sit and read the Bible. Or or think on nothing but the Bible. Right? Joshua's going to have to lead military battles. He's going to have to take care of mundane things like making sure his gear's packed, making sure everybody else is packed, checking on the women and the children. He's got to do all of these other things. Instead, the picture, the idea, is that he is to make a point to really think on the Word all throughout his day. Right? So this, I would say for our context, it would have an idea of make a point to study the Bible at some point during the day, for sure. But it would also carry with the idea of more than that. Don't just study it once and then go on about your day never thinking about it again. But rather, meditate on it. Think about it. All throughout your day, think about what it means to do God's Word. Think about what you've read. Think about a verse or a passage. Right? To, to meditate on it. Now, I don't know a whole lot about like cows. But the word meditate, from what I understand, one of the commentaries I have, it, it compared the word to a cow chewing its cud. Right? So from what I understand, cows can chew their cud, they can swallow it, and then later on they can vomit it back up and chew on it some more. Now that is a very unappetizing picture, but I think it's a good picture of what we're supposed to do with the word. We, we think on it, but then we have to go on and do other things, right? We have to talk on the phone, we have to work, we have to change diapers, we have to do these other things, so we swallow it. But then later we have more time, so we bring it back up and we think on it again, right? So take it to the idea of be strong and courageous. So we think about that. How many need to be strong and courageous to do God's Word? So let me go out throughout our day. And as I go throughout my day, I'm thinking about that. I'm doing my job, I'm thinking about it. Then somebody says something. And maybe, maybe I'm tempted to, everybody's griping, I'm tempted to gripe right along with them. And the Bible says, do all things without griping and complaining. And then I remember strong, be strong and courageous. What, what would, what would strength and courage look like in obeying God's word in that instance? But I think about that. I go throughout my day and, and, and I find somebody and they're depressed, they're, they just seem hopeless. Life is so terrible, things are so bad, they're so scared about the future. What would strength and courage look like in that moment to serve God, to do His will, to obey His Word? Right, And so we just do that all throughout our day, every day. That's the picture. Joshua is supposed to think on it all the time. The people are saying this. Joshua's meditating on God's Word. What would it look like for us to live out God's law? What would it look like for us to obey God in this circumstance? Because if you notice, that's the point. 
Right? Joshua is to meditate on it, not to have memory verses, to quote, to show how smart he is. Joshua is to meditate upon it so that he can know it and then he can do it. That, that's the whole point of the meditating. He meditates on it so he's thinking about it. What would it look like in this particular part of my life right now today to live out what I read this morning? So to be strong and courageous. What does strength and courage to do God's law? What does it look like at this point in my life right here, right now? And that's what we're supposed to do. That's how we think about it. That's how we're supposed to meditate on it. And it's supposed to lead us to do God's word. Right? We are to be committed to God's word, but a commitment to God's word, it is more than a commitment to read the Bible, although it's not less than that. Right? It is more than a commitment to say the Bible is God's word, although it's not necessarily less than that. Okay, It is a commitment to do God's word. Again, going back to the idea of faith, it is wonderful to read the Bible. I am a huge advocate of reading the Bible. I am a huge advocate of the Bible being the inspired Word of God, the foundation of faith and practice for all things in our lives. But if I really believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God, and if I'm really studying it, what is it doing in me? What is happening because of that? A commitment to God's Word leads me to do more than read it. It leads me to do more than believe it. It leads me to do more than affirm it. It leads me to live it. That's the point. A commitment to God's word leads us to do God's word. And, and it's not just the Old Testament that says that. James tells us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving our own selves. James is a very practical book. He always gets down to where the rubber meets the road. And what he says is contrary to what you may think. It's not enough to hear. It's not enough to read. You have to do. You have to take it and put it into practice. And if we hear it, or we read it, and we don't do it, what we end up doing is deceiving ourselves. We deceive ourselves into thinking hearing and reading is enough when it's not. It takes strength and courage to obey God's word because we live in a world that is not necessarily pleased by God's word right we live in a world that is typically fine if we believe it up here as long as it stays up here or it stays in the building but they're not overly pleased if we push out to live God's word out in the public if we are holy if we share the gospel, if we turn the other cheek, if we are merciful. And yet we're called to do these sort of things. And we would all affirm these. This is the word of God. God has said this is what we shall and shall not do. But those affirmations have no practical value. If I don't do it. Right? We have to take it and we have to live it. And it requires strength and courage. Gosh, we could just look at the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, turn the other cheek. Seems like weakness in the world's eyes. But it takes strength and courage 
to do that in our lives. To be merciful as God is merciful. That takes strength and courage because the world isn't merciful. Right? It takes mercy or it takes strength and courage to love our enemies. Man, I tell you what, here's what you got to do just to find out how much strength and courage it would take to do that. You go to a, a social media post on a news site, right? And, and if they're hypercritical of the president, you, you, you post something positive about him. We should love the president or we should pray for the president. And, and then watch how people respond. Or if they're hypercritical of, say, Nancy Pelosi. Post something about, we ought to love Nancy Pelosi. We ought to pray for her because she's also a person in authority. See how that goes. Right? It takes strength and courage to live that out in a world that is polarized and angry. A world that does not want us to obey God's word. It, It wants us to pick and choose when we are told to do all that is written therein. We are told to do all of it. So that means love our enemies. That means turn the other cheek. That means love our neighbors as we love ourselves. That means share the gospel and make disciples of all nations. That means so many things. And the world won't understand. And the world won't appreciate it. And the world won't like it. That's why it takes strength and courage. Because that's moving forward. Moving forward is living out more of God's word than we're living out now. That's a part of moving forward in our lives, in our families, and in our church. And it will always take strength and courage to do that. Now, notice something interesting. End of verse 7. Turn not from it to the right or the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Now look at the last of verse 8. For then, after you've done what the Bible says, thou shalt make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success. Joshua's success would be dependent upon his obedience to God's law. As long as he did what God said, he would be prosperous and he would be successful everywhere he went. And if he didn't do God's word, He would not be prosperous and he would not be successful. There are, in the book of Joshua, there's one loss in a battle and one mistake that they make that's not a part of the initial battle. And in both of them, they come about because they don't obey God. When they do what God says, they have great success. They are prosperous in the way that they should go. When they don't obey God, They are not prosperous. They are not successful. Again, it's going to be the same for us. We are always successful. We are always prosperous when we obey God's word. Because God defines success. And no matter what else happens, if we don't obey God's word, then in God's economy, we are not prosperous. We are not successful. Our ability to prosper, our ability to be successful in this world is dependent Upon our doing God's word. And again that will require strength and courage on our part. God is is calling us forward. And it takes strength and courage for us to move forward with God. And part of that strength and courage is so that we can do all God has said in his word. 
So we want to be strong and courageous to live in light of God's promises. Strong and courageous to do God's word. And then finally, strong and courageous. Because God is with us. Verse 9. This would be, if you're going to memorize a verse to meditate on, this is a good one. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and have a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now, this is why no one will be able to stand against Joshua all the days of his life. This is why Joshua can lead boldly to cross the Jordan and to lead into the promised land and to fight these battles because the Lord is with him and would be with him wherever he went. This is the, the theological term for this is omnipresence. God is everywhere at the same time. I love the promise of God being with us. I'm convinced as disciples of Jesus, as children of God, we can endure anything so long as we know our God, our Father, is with us. And this promise is repeated really often. Several times in the Old Testament, God has promised never to leave nor forsake. In the New Testament, we're told God will never leave us nor forsake us. But there is something here I want us to see that I think is really interesting. God is with us always. That, that is, that's a truth. That's a fact. But notice what God specifically says to Joshua here. I will be with thee whithersoever thou goest. I will be with you as you go. It's what God is saying is, as you move forward, as you follow me, I'm going with you. Right? I, I am there. Something you find in Scripture is that the promise of God's presence is very often connected to going with God. To going where He wants us to go and doing what He wants us to do. When Moses was called to go to Egypt at the burning bush, God said He would be with him as He went. When Jeremiah was called to be a prophet, God said, I will be with you as you go. When Jesus gave the great commission, He said, as you go, lo, I am with you always. We know God is always with us. But I, I propose to you, there are experiences of God's presence we do not have until we go. But there are experiences of God's presence we never have until we follow God and move forward. Until we go and do the things He would tell us to do. If God calls us forward and we stay, that doesn't mean God leaves us. But we're missing, again, as we saw in the very first we miss experiences of God's presence. We miss experiences of God's power. We miss the fulfillment of God's promises. We miss God's plans coming together in our lives. There are experiences of God's presence we will never have while we stay where it's comfortable. While we stay complacent. There are experiences of God's promise, of God's presence that are only out there. Only forward. And as we go forward... We experience them. We could just talk about what, we've, what I mentioned this morning about sharing the gospel. 
will never experience the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the empowering of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel until we go forward and actually share the gospel. Right, we're going to look in a, in a few weeks. And one of the things the Bible is going to tell us is they're supposed to go and stand in the river. And as they stand in the river, it's going to part. But what you find in the passage is the river never parts until their feet touch the water. Right? Had they gone to the edge and said, OK, God, we're here. It was not going to part. They had to actually get their feet wet before the water parted. And that's the way it is about the experience of God's promises and God's power and God's presence. We have to step forward. We can't say, OK, God, I'm, I'm going to go now. Give me the power and, and make me to feel your presence and I'm going to go. And God's saying, you step out. And when you step out, I'm there. God is calling us forward. And as we go forward, we experience his presence. As we go forward, we experience his power. As we go forward. We see His promises and His plans fulfilled in our lives. And it takes strength and courage and faith to move out like this. Because we have not seen this. These are the unseen promises of God. We have yet to see it. And it takes strength and courage to step out what we don't see. And if we wait until we're not afraid, we will probably never do anything. I have been a pastor at the end of this month. I will have pastored this church for 18 years. I have been a preacher of the gospel uh, for almost 20 years. And if I only preached when I wasn't afraid, I would preach very few sermons in my life. Very rarely am I not afraid, at least a little, when I stand up to preach the word. And if I could not go forward until I wasn't afraid, I would still be the youth pastor of the Fort Gibson Free Will Baptist Church because we were terrified to come out here. We've been terrified multiple times since then. But we have mustered up the strength and the courage to trust God, to move forward and follow Him. And if we wait until we're not scared, until all of these things have come to pass and poured into our lives, we will most likely miss everything God wants to do in us and through us and for us. We have to go forward. And as we go forward, we experience His presence. As we go forward, we see His power. As we go forward, His promises come to pass. As we go forward, we are prosperous in the way in which we go. That first step, it takes strength and courage to move forward. Forward is where God is leading. Forward is where God is calling. Forward is where we have to go if we're going to go with God. So we must be strong and courageous to move forward. Be strong and courageous. And live in light of God's promises. Be strong and courageous. And do all of God's word. Be strong and courageous. Because God will go with you wherever you go. So let me ask you today. What does it look like for you to be strong and courageous? And to move forward with Jesus? 
for some, being strong and courageous, it may mean surrendering to Jesus for salvation. You've never really trusted in Christ as your personal Savior. You've never made that decision to repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ and call on Him to save you. It takes strength and courage to take that step forward and call upon Jesus. Be strong and courageous today if that's you. For some, the call to move forward and be strong and courageous It may be to recommit your life to Jesus. You've strayed. You've made a decision for Jesus at some point in the past, but but you've strayed. You've gone off this way and God is calling you this way. And it takes strength and courage to admit you're wrong and to go back and to go to where God is leading. And if that's you, be strong and courageous today and move forward and recommit your life to Jesus today. Maybe there is a promise you need to act on. Something in your heart. I mean, you you want to share the gospel with someone. You want there's something in your life. I love this. I want this. But you've never taken that step. Be strong, courageous, and take that step today. Maybe moving forward today for you, it means squaring away your life. There's a part of your life where you know God's word has said this is what you're supposed to do, and you're not doing it. Take strength and courage to do what you're not doing. To be obedient to God's Word. And if this is you, be strong and courageous today. Be strong and courageous to move forward for your God is with you. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome and worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. We come, we do give our lives to you and we surrender to be strong and courageous to move forward following you in all things. Show us where we're out of sync with you. Show us where we're not acting in faith, where we're living in disobedience, where we're letting fear hold us back. And call us forward and let us be strong and courageous to move forward with you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're still obviously holding out on having services. The cases are continuing to spike. As of yesterday, there were 658 in Texas County. So the continued spike, the high number of people in our church who would be considered uh, high risk. We're not going to open yet. We're still reevaluating kind of weekly basis to see what's going on. Continue to pray for us to have wisdom uh, so that we can get back together just as soon as we possibly can is what would be wise. Uh, Forgiving, you can mail your check, Northridge Free Will Baptist Church, Post Office Box 1707, Guyman, Oklahoma. If that goes to Lavina, she'll pick it up and it'll get deposited. Also, you can drop it off when I'm at the church. Uh, Because of the warmer weather, and I don't want to run the air conditioner here, I'm not at the church as much. I'm usually here to do my live at fives. But other than that, it's just kind of iffy when I'm here. You contact me. I will meet you uh, to come and to get it if you want to do that. Or you can give online. And that's the full address. You can give online. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so you abound with hope. The power of the Holy Spirit. Love you guys.